Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday, we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids. And across the week, we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from our associate pastor, Alice Meads. Today, we are carrying on our series in the book of James, which was written by a guy called James, which our James started preaching on last week. I realised that is a lot of Jameses for you to take in. (laughs) I'm sure it will cause confusion over the length of this series. But anyway, as we spend time in this book of James, over the next few weeks, we'll come to see how James is kind of like a wisdomy kind of book. It's like a how to live your life kind of book. It's almost like the kind of New Testament version of the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And as such, it primarily is concerned with what does it look like to live well? What does a life wholly devoted to God look like? James was a leader of the, uh, was one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, and he is writing to Jewish Christians primarily who are scattered all across the Roman Empire. He was Jesus's brother, I suppose like his half-brother, if you think about it, um, which I think is an amazing claim to fame, actually, being Jesus's brother. I can imagine him and the disciples kind of doing a who knew Jesus best kind of thing. James could always get to claim, well, I knew Jesus when he was a baby, but there we go. Um, And it feels like in this moment he is remembering how his brother, how Jesus lived his life, like what were his priorities, um, what were some of the principles that he lived by. And he is then writing to Christians, um, you and me, to instruct us to live in the same way. And so in some ways the challenge of James isn't so much kind of the lofty theology in there, it's quite a straightforward kind of book. The challenge really is how do we live this out? How do we take the words of James and live them out? And so, and this series is called Real Faith. Last week, our James looked at uh, Real Faith Perseveres. And this week, I've kind of been going around the houses on what to call this talk. Um, just ask Matt, he is <laughs> um, being very, rather enduring. Um, but the I've kind of landed on it being called Real Faith Hears and Does. Real Faith Hears and Does. And as we will see, James writes to challenge Um, us as people to be people that listen to the word of God and then act on it to be both hearers and doers of the word and for James living in this way has the power to be deeply transformational so we're going to jump in James chapter 1 and starting at verse 19 he says this my dear brothers and sisters take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I don't know about you, but just as I read that first verse in verse 19, I'm like, wow, that is a proverb for our time, isn't it? 
Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. I reckon that should be at the top of every social media page ever. <laughs> so much of our online conversation is the exact opposite, isn't it? Um, this is a great message for the world right now and of course for us as individuals of that world. Um, it might not come as a surprise to find out that apparently we are all becoming terrible listeners, you know, obviously not helped by our obsession with our phones. A recent study showed that the mere possibility that your phone might ring, just the possibility of it, it diminishes your brain's ability to listen by up to 20%. You know, that's without it calling, that's without it making any noise whatsoever, just the chance that it might, that it might, stops us listening to someone, stops our ability to listen to someone by up to 20%. Let's be honest, it is really hard to listen well, isn't it? Um, listening is a skill for all of us to work on. You know, the reality is that for, for those of us that even feel like we're good at this, the reality is a lot of the time when we listen to someone, we're listening with our agenda, we're trying to steer the conversation our way, we are um, trying to interject with our own experiences, or our opinions or our thoughts, essentially listening in a me-focused way. You know, we often in those moments are quick to interrupt with our thoughts. Yeah, this happened to me. You know, quick to interrupt with what we want to say. Quick to speak out our opinions. And of course, there's a whole lot of miscommunication that can go on when we don't listen well and we speak too quickly. And we can find in those moments our anger is quick to rise. You know, a lot of miscommunication can create a lot of anger. I don't know about you, but you might be experiencing the same thing as me at the moment, but your anger is so close to the surface. You know, moments where we feel stretched beyond our capacity. You know, in a season like this, you can feel like our emotions like the, are kind of pushed up right to the surface and anger is literally just there under the pressure of being in this awful season that we're in. I remember once years ago, at a different point in my life when I was under a lot of pressure and it was an incredibly hard time in my life. And I remember being out in my car, driving along, and I was at one of those bits of road, you know, when you're on a dual carriageway and then it becomes a single carriageway. And I was in the car driving and this guy who was behind me felt at that moment on the outside of me to kind of accelerate in, swoop in front of me. The traffic was slowing further on ahead, so he kind of swooped in and then broke. And so then I had to put my brakes on. I said I was having a really tough time in life and I just bubbled over and I slammed my hand down on the steering wheel where the horn was and just went beep. Now that would have been enough, but I didn't even stop. I carried on for probably, I mean, seconds and seconds of me with the horn just going. And I was in the car with Chloe, my sister, and she was like, Alice, seriously, pull yourself together. <laughs> so I kind of, I did stop. Um, I'm sure it came as a surprise for the man in front and it came as a surprise for me. The level of anger I felt, it was just there ready to bubble under over a time of stress. You know, and even more recently, you know, in this season, um, just in the past week or so, I've had moments where I felt, you know, really short tempered and grumpy. You know, and however much chocolate I shove into my mouth, this feeling just won't go away. It's like it's just there, sitting, um, sitting under the surface. And James writes here that the anger that we can be so quick to feel, that it's not what God wants for us. It's not the righteousness that God desires to see in our lives. It's very different to God's anger or righteous anger that we can feel. He says in verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know, human anger is quick to rise. You know, it's like a match that flares instantly. It's quick and it's damaging. You know, we often end up regretting our moments of anger, don't we? You know, human anger can be fueled in our need to be right, um, fueled by our insecurities, our fear, our pride. 
Um, but righteous anger, on the other hand, the kind of anger that God feels or that we can feel too, is it's slow to arise. You know, it's more like heat in kind of burning coals um, than, than an instant flicker of a match. And it's not based on how we feel about ourselves or our need to be right. But righteous anger instead is based on the need to see right happen for others. And James here is saying, be slow to feel angry. Be slow to feel that human anger that we can so often regret. Do you get angry about the right things? Do you get angry about the right things? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm often embarrassed about some of the things that can make me angry. And I suppose if I think about it, I'm equally embarrassed about the things that should make me angry, but don't. The lack of righteous anger I feel, but the amount of human anger I can feel. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Just think for a minute over the past week that we've just had and ask yourself this question. How have you responded to the people you love? How have you responded to those people around you? Have you listened well to them? Or have you been quick to speak and quick to become angry? It's okay to acknowledge that, you know, we have fallen short of the person we want to be. You know, I think at the moment, many of us are probably all too aware of our shortcomings and our failures. And the grace of Jesus is here for you. If that's you, it's here for me too. <laughs> you know, he is ready to pick you up, dust you off and set you back on your feet again. But the challenge for all of us is how do we start moving towards becoming the kind of person that we want to be? The kind of person that we've been created to be. You see, there's a danger here that we take a verse like this, you know, we could kind of have it written up on a poster that we put up on around our house. You know, those kind of posters people love to have with like inspirational quotes on. We could make it into one of those, you know, like the kind of keep calm and carry on or like live your life to the full or um, dance like no one's watching. They're not. They're checking their phones. What are those kind of inspirational quotes that we could put up? And we could have it on our walls or we could have it on our like wallpaper on our phones. But when we could come back to any year's time and yet be no better at listening and be just as angry as we were um, at the moment, as we always have been. You know, and there's a danger that if we just kind of apply our good will, our, our kind of our willpower to this, to this kind of verse, that this will only last as long as our circumstances determine, as long as we've got strength for. I think the reality is many of us can feel stuck between a vision of the kind of person that we want to be and the reality of how we are. We can be aware of how we want to respond in situations, you know, the kind of parent we want to be, we always thought we would be, and then the reality. The kind of wife, husband or friend that we want to be, and then we're aware of the reality. And we can feel so hardwired by our automatic responses, you know, the quickness of our speech and our anger, our defensiveness. These things can kind of feel like they trap us. Um, psychologists and family therapists, they talk about this kind of common experience for us as humans as a lack of differentiation, a lack of differentiation where our responses in the moment are not grounded in or well thought through. They are instead highly reactive to the people around us, to the, what's going on around us. And they argue that, um, family therapists argue that in order to, to break this reactivity, um, you need to, uh, and, and to live in a kind of a deeper, less impulsive way, that we need to become more differentiated. And modern psychology would say that a person who is differentiated is ultimately driven by a set of principles that help them determine where they are going and give them a vision for the kind of person that they want to be. 
I always think it's amazing when kind of modern, th modern thinking um, kind of points to what the Bible already tells us, to what's already there in the Bible. You know, what Christians have known for centuries, what James knows as he writes this letter. That we have to live by something bigger than ourselves. That we have to, um, that we have, to have a set of principles, a vision for where it is that we want to be in order to see change, to be more differentiated in our life and not just be reacting out of the emotion that we feel in the moment. And for James, the, as, as Christians, our starting point for this should be grounding ourselves in the word of God that we should find our values, our worldview in there. And for him, this has the power to be deeply transformational for Christians. In verse 21, he tells us to resist the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and instead humbly accept the word of God, which has been planted in you and can save you. The word of God, the word of God reveals to us what God is like, it's what he's about. You know, simply put, it's God speaking. Yeah, that's what the Bible is. It's how we learn what God's priorities are, what he's like, what he values, and therefore what ours should be, what we should be like, what our priorities should be like. In the Bible, in the word of God, it's where we learn that we are loved. It's where we learn who we are and how we should live our lives. God wants us to hear what he's saying to us through the word of God and to then act on it, to let him change us in the process. And the picture here um, in this verse, in verse 21, is of a gardener planting the word in us. You know, and it, is, it reminded me of the gardener in John 15, which um, I preached on um, a few weeks back now, um, about this gardener kind of tending his vine, the vine in John 15. And it's the gardener tending his vine and helping us to grow rooted in Jesus and show the, the fruits of the spirit as we remain rooted in Jesus. That's what it reminds me of. It kind of echoes back to that. And the message version uh, translates this verse 21 in James 1. It translates this verse like this. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. You know, the gardener landscapes us with his word. I love that. You know, and, and, and landscaping in this way, it kind of creates something beautiful. You know, imagine for a minute a kind of a wild, messy garden. It might be your garden currently. You can imagine mine, if that helps. <laughs> Over the past few weeks of lockdown, I've been kind of braving it out there in the garden. I normally have the help of my ever patient father-in-law to help me with the gardening, because I am clueless. But obviously he's not been able to come around, so I've been out there on my own, flying solo in the garden. And I've been kind of hauling out weeds, trying to work out what counts as a flower and what counts as a weed. Is there any way to tell? <laughs> that dreaded bindweed has returned, so I've been trying to dig all that out. You know, kind of apart from there's one corner of the garden where we buried a dead rat that we found in the garden. After those floods um, earlier on this year, we found a dead rat in the garden. And we Googled what to do with it, and apparently we're supposed to bury it. So we buried it as far down as we could in our garden, and we put a flower pot over it to know never to go in that part of our garden again. So apart from that bit of the garden, the rest of the garden slowly has taken shape over the last few weeks. Slowly by slowly, I've been making our garden look a bit more acceptable, less neglected and abandoned. And the image here is, is of that. The, the word of God landscapes us. It changes us. It restores us. It's the word of God that helps us to be differentiated, that helps us to live differently, to choose to react differently, to be different from the wild, messy world that is around us. Are you currently being landscaped by the word of God? 
You know, are you um, reading the word of God in a way that it allows to change you and the way that you act upon it? You know, it's worth highlighting here that it's God that does the planting. You know, he is the gardener. It's the spirit of God that implants the word of God in us. You know, when I spoke on John 15 a few weeks ago, as I mentioned, you know, that was the invitation, wasn't it? It was to root yourself in Jesus and then to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and to produce fruit. You know, that's the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, helping us to be transformed into the kind of people that we were designed to be, that God has designed us to be. But James is really clear here that this shouldn't make us passive. This shouldn't make us passive. You know, that we are to receive this word. We are to receive the word of God planted in us. But we have a responsibility to respond to it and to act on it. Our starting point, you know, in being landscaped, in being changed, in seeing that transformation in our life, is for us to hear the word, to hear the word deeply. Real faith hears, to listen deeply to it as we read it. And I started by talking about listening. And the deepest level of listening that we, can, um, that we can offer someone is when we listen to them without our agenda. Um, we listen to understand them. We maybe ask them questions to help them understand even more. But we listen openly. We're not trying to steer the conversation our way. And we, in our, in our listening, we're open to listen to that person. We're open to learn from them about what life is like for them, what their story is. I don't know if anyone's ever listened to you in that way, but it can be so freeing when someone gives you that gift of listening to you in that way, just letting you express something deep for you. And James is telling us that we have to hear, as we read, we have to hear the word of God in that same way. You know, we have to come to the word of God, accepting that we are there to learn, that we are there to learn, that God who creates us knows best how we should live our lives. And he wants to speak to us and tell us about that to come ready to ask questions, to seek to understand it more deeply, but to come with the mindset that ultimately God knows best and that his values and priorities should be ours, that we should not take our values and priorities from the world around us, that we need to rely on him, that he knows best. And this is the kind of beginning of that journey of being free from our propensity to anger and self-importance from um, our kind of instant responses to um, you know acting out of our emotional baggage or our insecurities and our disappointments by listening to God as he speaks to us that's the first step by listening to God as he speaks to us and by listening in a way that we are ready to learn to learn who we are how we are valued and what the guiding principles of our life should be real faith hears and real faith does you know the word of God James says is like a mirror that shows us who we really are and allows us to take action accordingly. That's the picture he paints here, isn't it? As of a man that looks at himself in a mirror. Now think about it for a minute. Why is it that you look in the mirror? <laughs> I've got to be honest at the moment, I've not been looking in the mirror that much in this kind of lockdown world. I've not really been looking in the mirror. <laughs> um, I was about to go on a Zoom call the other day. And you know, when you go in to, for those of you that have been using Zoom, before you join the meeting, it gives you a helpful preview of what your video is going to be like, what everyone else will see. And as it flashed up the preview on my phone, I was horrified to see <laughs> that kind of my freshly kind of washed hair actually um, was kind of all around me. And I actually looked more like Brian May than anything else. Google him if you don't know who that is. <laughs> it was good to know and I kind of took amends and then joined the call. But in normal life, pre-lockdown and post-lockdown, hopefully, you know, when you, when you do look in a mirror, um, why is it that you look in a mirror? 
is to make sure, isn't it? Make sure that your hair doesn't look like Brian May's. It's to make sure that you haven't got toothpaste around your mouth. It's to make sure that you've not got something in your teeth. <laughs> That's a horrid one, isn't it? You know, when you've been out at work or chatting to, chatting to the neighbour or been up at the school gate and, and no one has loved you enough in that moment to tell you that you've got something in your teeth. That happened to me the other day again on a different Zoom call as I'm spending much of my working life on Zoom. I was on this Zoom call chatting for about an hour on this Zoom call and then I came off it, walked into the kitchen and Matt was like, oh love, you've really got something in your teeth. I was like, oh, the horror of it and no one told me. Could they see on Zoom? Can you even see that kind of definition? I still don't know. <laughs> so we look in the mirror, don't we, as an attempt to avoid moments like that. You know, and then we correct ourselves accordingly. You know, even if we look in the mirror and we think, oh no, I'm all right. Even still, it's hard not to correct yourself in some kind of minor way to smooth down your clothes or adjust your hair slightly. You know, it's automatic, isn't it? To, to kind of, even if it's just a tweak here and a tweak there, to kind of improve the reflection that we see. Well, imagine you look in the mirror and you see something stuck in your teeth and then you just walk away and do nothing about it. That would be kind of unthinkable, wouldn't it? You know, like, you know, there's like youth group challenges where you've got like sugar around, you eat a donut and you have all the sugar around your lips and you're not allowed to lick your lips. I think it would be like as difficult as that to see something, something in your teeth in the mirror and then not do anything about it, just to kind of walk away, walk out the door or wherever it is you're going. I think it would be unthinkable. And yet that's the point James is making here. That's what we choose to do all the time with the word of God. You know, we look in it, we see the reality of who we are, it's reflected back at us. We see how God says we should live, who he says we were created to be, and then we ignore it. We don't make any adjustments, we don't act on it. We don't listen to the gardener. We don't do what he, we don't listen to what he has to say. We don't let his words change us. And then we wonder why we don't see this change in our life. You know, we find ourselves still full of greed because we haven't understood what the word of God says about, um, about how generous God is to us. We haven't obeyed what it says in scripture about being generous with our money and about how to live well in that way. Maybe we still feel full of anger because we haven't realised from scripture how much we have been forgiven and comparatively how little we have to forgive others. That even when we've been wronged hurtly, the Bible has so been wronged hugely, the Bible instructs us to forgive others. And yet we don't do this and we find ourselves full of anger. Maybe we still live really shallow lives driven by the priorities of success and money. You know, instead of obeying the word and seeking the kingdom first, as it clearly tells us to do, being a people that pray for the sick and extend the kingdom of God wherever we go. Instead of doing being that, instead of living these kind of kingdom focused lives, we are instead driven by success and money and still live these shallow lives. You know, I could keep going time and time again where we read something in the word and then we just ignore it. And James is clear that real faith hears and real faith does. Real faith hears and real faith does. And it's worth saying, you know, that this is, an, this is not an instant thing. You know, this is a lifelong discipling, walking this through in step with the Holy Spirit kind of thing. And as I mentioned, you know, Jesus's grace abounds for us in this moment, in these moments. James uses the word continue in verse 25 to stress this. You can translate the word continue there as to persevere, you know, as James, our James defined it last week, to keep on keeping on. Now he recognises that this is going to take perseverance, that we're going to have to continue learning what it looks like to hear the word of God and to do the word of God. 
You know, we need to rely on the grace of Jesus and the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do this. It's about persevering through failure. And it's also about refusing to accept that it's impossible to live as doers of the word. Where do we start with this? A first step for some of us is to actually start reading the Bible. You know, if that's you, um, then I would yeah, encourage you to start being a hearer of the word, listening to it deeply. I've mentioned it before previously, but I have found that Lectio 365 app, the 24-7 prayer movement, the app they've created. I found that really helpful. You know, each day they take a, a, a few verses of scripture of the word of God and then they prayfully reflect on it. So if you want kind of a first thing to go and start doing it, I'd really recommend you think about doing that. Something I've been doing um, in my own life recently over the last few weeks is something called centering prayer, which is where you take a, a verse of scripture, just a short verse or a phrase in scripture, and you spend time meditating on it and you breathe it in and you breathe it out. So for example, for me, I've kept coming back to Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And I'll take a verse like that if, if it's possible to find somewhere quiet in my house. It's not that easy right now. <laughs> but if I can find somewhere quiet, I will sit there and I will I'll breathe in and breathe out. Or maybe I'll just do it as I'm doing the washing up, whatever. But I'll breathe in, be still, and then on the breathe out, and know that I am God. And I'll just, you know, a couple of minutes just breathing in and breathing out scripture. And in that moment, it's like I'm kind of taking the word of God and I'm implanting it even deeper into the way that I view my circumstances, the way that I view the world around me, the way that my, the, I, it changes what my priorities are and what I value. Just even taking a few moments with a piece of scripture like that has been really helpful for me. So we need to start being hearers of the word, but we also need to start being doers of the word. You know, and a great question for those of us that want to step into that and grow in that, is a great question to kind of start by asking as you read the word of God is this, what if I lived like this was actually true? What if I lived like this was actually true? You know, how would it change my life? What if I lived like this was actually true? <laughs> and of course we know that it is true, but often we come to the Bible with our agenda, what we wanna hear. But what if we just read it and we say, what if this was true? God, what if you do know best? What if you do want me to live in this way? I was thinking, you know, a great way to, to kind of do this, actually, I think it was within community, you know, within a small group. Maybe that's something you can do this week in your small groups or with a group of Christians around you. Just be like, you know, read a piece of scripture together and then ask that question. What if this was actually true? Knowing that it is true. What if I lived like this was actually true? Well, how, what would my week look like this week? You can answer that as a group and be like, right, what is it that I'm going to do this week to reflect that? You know, the Bible has been read for centuries within community, within the context of community, a place where you can pray, um, pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us as we go out and do. Um, it's, as I've said, you know, all this is done in partnership with his presence. You know, we are called to be a people of the word and of the spirit. But, you know, when we come to the Bible with that mindset, you know, as people that are hearers and doers of the word, you know, the gardener is able to landscape us with his word. And we find that we become people of the word, not the world. And that's the invitation to become a people of the word, not the world. And for James, freedom is what's at stake here. Freedom to be the people that we are designed to be, the, to be people that live expansive, spirit-filled kingdom lives. His call on us is to become people of the word, to be people that hear the voice of God, the word of God, who listen to understand it, and then who listen to act on it. To be hearers of the word and doers of the word. I'm just going to pray 
as we finish. Lord Jesus, just thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in that. Thank you that the word of God shows us truly how to live and how to live well. Lord, I pray we would be a people that don't just read the word, but we do it. That we'd be a people of the word, not of the world. And just take us on this journey. We know we'll need grace on this journey. We recognise we need the power of your Holy Spirit on this journey. Just fill us, Jesus. Change us. May we be the people you have designed and created us to be. Amen. Amen. We're going to have some time of worship. Just as a little aside, last week I was really aware in, in kind of worshipping from home. You know, it can feel a bit weird if you're sitting on the sofa, maybe with your partner, maybe with people, I don't know, right in your, in your household at the moment. And it can feel a bit awkward sitting there listening to worship. But Matt and I last week just gave each other permission to stand, to kneel, to do whatever it is and to worship as fully as we could in that moment. Because whilst we can't meet together, let's not stop worshipping God as fully as we feel able to at the moment. So let's have some time to worship together. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember you can tune in to our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at cardiffvineyard.org and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.